You know, we're looking at a really interesting text this morning, and it's such an interesting one that, that a commentator wrote this. He said, commentators routinely recognize 1 Corinthians 11, 2 through 16 as one of the most difficult passages in the New Testament. And that's the one we're looking at today. I don't know, um, you know, sometimes I'll get up and I'll say to you, this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. I love this verse. I love this passage. And yet you look at this one here, um, and there are so many things that, um, that, that are interpretive difficulties. In other words, not only do I not understand them, most of the people that I read from don't really understand them either. There are two or three or four different ways to interpret some of this stuff, and nobody really agrees completely on much of it. There is one thing that they seem to agree on about all of this, and I'm not telling you yet. I mean, if I tell you the one thing they agree on, we should pray and go home, right? Because we got to kind of get to that, right? So we can be got as much as I would like to say, hey, we'll move on to set, uh, verse 17 and skip this. I can't do that, can we? No, you can't do that. You got to go through the whole thing. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, we'll start with verse 2. We'll finish verse 16. If you're able, please stand as we read God's word. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. And for that, for that is one and the same as if her head were shaved. For if a woman is not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it is shameful for a woman to be shorn or shaved, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God. But woman is the glory of man. For man is not from woman but woman from man. Nor was man created for the woman, but woman for the man. <laughs> okay, I'm laughing at that one. We'll get to that in a minute. For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is man independent of woman, nor woman independent of man in the Lord. For as woman came from man, even so man also comes through woman. But all things are from God. Judge among yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him? But if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given to her for a covering. But if anyone seems to be contentious, we have no such custom, nor do the churches of God. Let's pray. Father, sometimes there's things that we read, especially in the letters of Paul, that are difficult. And yet they're beneficial. They are your word and they're there for a reason. And even if we can't understand or don't understand or unable to understand everything in this passage, God, open it to us in a way we've never seen it before. Help us to understand as much as you need us to understand this day. And God, help us to be obedient to that and bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you may be seated. How much fun was that? Now I praise you. All right, remember what he did earlier? He went after him. 
Okay, So even the very first thing that he does here, he switches gears a little bit. He had gone after them. He was telling them uh, that um, things that they had done that they needed to not do, like flee from idolatry and that kind of stuff. Don't eat meat that's offered to idols if it's going to offend another brother. Okay, he was, And now he comes back and he says, now I praise you, brethren. There's not a whole lot of that that goes on in the letter to the Corinthians. And, and there's a, a reason for that. Somebody has written that they think in view of a later part of the text that these guys are kind of rogue. Okay? Now, there's a point where you like rogue. Somebody goes rogue and it's a good thing. But these guys were kind of rogue and they looked at the tradition sometimes and the things that, that other churches were doing and they go, we don't need to do that. That's not important. That doesn't have any meaning. Okay? That's not, that's not for us. And, and so some people think that they were doing some of those things. This is not what he's praising them for. Okay? But that's why he had gone off on them so often. Now he says, I praise you, brethren. And again, that's that word brethren that is very, um, uh, it's a compassionate word. It's an it's a idea that he has great love for them. Okay, I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things. So what did they do? Well, one of the things that they did was they continually prayed for him. Another thing that they did was they continually consulted him in order to get answers to the problems and the questions that they were having in their church and in their congregation. You remember me, okay? Letters were going back and forth. Now, we've got two letters from the Apostle Paul to the, to the Corinthians, um, but they think there were at least four, and they don't know how many letters that they had written to him that aren't preserved, okay? And so they remembered him. They remembered him in, um, in their prayers. They remembered him in, in consulting him over needs, and they probably remembered him in helping to support him when he needed support. And that you keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. Now, there are, um, there are three things they, might, they think might be these traditions. Here's, here's one of these things um, that they don't know about. In the very first, okay, now I praise you. They're not sure why they, what all was this? Remembering him in what? And that you keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. What were those traditions? Well, there's three possibilities that I read about. And, and one of them is quite simply the tradition of the gospel as it came down to him. And, it, and as he shared it with them, you keep that tradition, okay? You preach the word of God. You preach the gospel of Jesus Christ who died, who was resurrected, who ascended into heaven so that we might have eternal life. You keep that tradition. The other tradition is the Lord's Supper. They keep the Lord's Supper. Now, in 17 and following, uh, verse 17 and following, he lets them know that some of them are not keeping the Lord's Supper properly, but he's happy that they're at least keeping it. And then the other one, uh, the other tradition that's possible is the is the that they're at least trying to keep the, um, the accepted roles of men and women in the church lined up how, how, they, how he set down for them to do that. But we don't know for sure because he doesn't list them out right here, you know. Um, and maybe they know, maybe they knew, but there's one of the interpreta- or interpretive difficulties. So I, I praise you that you remember me in all things and that you keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you, but... You ever, ever have a boss that goes like that with you? You're doing a real good job here, but that's when you want to get up and walk out of the office, right? You want to go, okay, fine. Why don't you just start with that? Why are you buttering me up? Why are you giving me these good things and then you're doing this? Why don't you start with the hard stuff and then go, and I really like the way you're taking care of this. And at the end, it's not a good note. Anyway, but I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. Now, again, they're not sure what was going on here. They're not sure why this had to be done, but... But it's important that we look at these things. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Now, there are are several ways that we can interpret this word head. 
okay? And we can interpret it as the physical anatomical head, okay? Or we can interpret it as an authority. There's other ways you can inter interpret that, and that's as an origin or a source. Um, and they're just not completely sure um, exactly how he... Some people argue for one, some people argue for another, and some people argue for one of the other means, okay? And, and I, I look at this, and I see a couple of different things. Um, I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. In other words, our authority, men, is Jesus Christ. There's nobody else who is our authority, okay? There are other people sometimes that want to be our authority, and sometimes you have to give in to them in some things, like maybe a supervisor, a supervisor that tells you what to do. And as long as what they're telling you to do is around the work and doesn't, doesn't um, violate any, um, any of the Scripture, any of God's Word in your life, then it's okay, follow that. But they are not the ultimate authority in your life. And so then, so the head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man. Now, have you ever known a woman to rebel against that? I mean, uh, <laughs> have you, Gayla? She's laughing at me. Uh, and she might be laughing because she thinks, boy, you're in trouble now, Pastor. I don't know. Um, but the way God set it out, when he created man and then he created woman, was man was the one that's supposed to be in charge of the family. Man was supposed to be the head. And that's what he's talking about here. And then in, the new, in, the, in, the, in that text, he said, but the woman will try to lord it over you. Okay? Now, I don't know about you guys married. Okay? But <laughs> you married men. But I can't tell my wife no. It's not her fault. Okay? It's a weakness in me. Sometimes it's a strength in me, too, but, you know, when she wants something, most of the time, guess what, okay? And, and she's not really trying to lord it over me. Um, there's just, I mean, you know, watching a TV show yesterday, and I saw this guy and this gal, and I looked at her, and I said, she's crushing on him, or she's got a crush, and I'm going, I do, too, but I'm married to her, okay? And, and so, I mean, and, and so there's a point where when a woman wants something, the man wants to please the wife, right? And so we've got to be careful because sometimes the wife just has to back off. And I hate, I mean, you know, I know, you know, if I were in a lot of other congregations, I'd get in bad trouble for saying that, okay? All right? But sometimes that's the way it is. Why? Because God set it up in one way for man to be the head of the family, the head of woman. So, and, and, it's, and you know what? I just, I love, and later on, and lest I get in trouble too early here, um, nevertheless, neither is man independent of woman, independent of woman, or woman independent of man in the Lord. So we've got to see that, that this idea of man being the head of woman is not something that is demeaning to the woman. It's not something that puts down their value or their purpose or, um, or their ability. It's not that at all. It's just that in the end, somebody has to be the head. Okay? Christ is the head of man. Man is the head of woman. And Christ, and, and, and the head of Christ is God. Now, you, I, I've put that in reverse order because it says the head of every man is Christ. It doesn't say Christ is the head of every man. It says the head of every man is Christ. Every man is Christ. And so it's on the one who is in authority, the head, okay? Um, and that's why it says it in this way. The head of every man is Christ. The head of a woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. And you notice, you notice, you notice that, that, that it starts with Christ and ends with Christ, Okay? 
and the relationship from man and woman is in the middle um, because guess what? God is the one who gives everything. Um, but every man, every man praying or prophesying, uh, having his head covered dishonors his head. Interesting. Because now what we get here is we get that word used, every man praying or prophesying have his head covered. You know, we used to make a big deal about this. You come into the building, you take off your hat, right? And, and any building you went into, it didn't matter. But especially when you come into church. Men, and men used to wear hats a whole lot more than we do now. You take your hat off. It's a sign of, of respect, especially in the church. It's a sign of respect for God. And so you take your hat off. Uh, and so um, I think we ought to bring that back. I can't provide a bag full of hats for you like I did ties, but I think we ought to bring that back, okay? Um, every man praying or prophesying have his head covered, dishonor his head. So if he has this head covered, is he dishonoring this head? No, it's Christ that he's dishonoring. That's what it's talking about. So when we look at this word head, we've got to understand the way that Paul is using the word head in each part of these phrases, each part of these texts, in each part of these verses or sentences. So who are we dishonoring? Not ourselves. We're dishonoring Christ, who is our head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, the man, for that is one and the same as if her head were shaved. Now, again, here's some difficulties, okay? Um, his ultimate concern, Paul's here, is that we honor and that we glorify God, okay? There you go. I've got it. But we're not shutting down yet, okay? That's the, his ultimate concern. It's not, his, his concern is not that women pray or prophesy in the church. That's not what he's worried about here, okay? And look what it says. Every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. That head is the man, the husband, okay? Now, but you notice what is not said. It's not said that a woman can't pray or prophesy, right? Because remember what... Um, what they quoted in the, in the book of Acts, they quoted Joel, remember, that the young men, will, young men and women will pray and prophesy, all right? And the apostle Paul knew and understood that there were women in the church that prophesied. Now, there's a point where uh, later on, I think it's in 14, uh, starting in verse 30, where um, he tells, um, he, he says, I think it's 30. Um, no, that's not right. There's another one, I can't remember where it is, where he tells women to be silent in the church, right? Women should be silent, okay? And, um, and yet, and then in 14, he talks about those, uh, chapter 14, verse 30 and 32, 33, 36, that um, if anybody is prophesying and somebody else wants to, then they need to be quiet. So in other words, if you have one person prophesying in the church and the other person wants to start talking, that person that's talking needs to wait, or that's not talking needs to wait. Don't interrupt the one that's prophesying. So we've got to see that that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about the way we bring glory to God by how we follow the created order of things. God made it that way. We need to follow it that way, okay? And, and like I said, this is a tough text. Um, so the man praying with his head uncovered, prophesying with, with his head covered, dishonors his head, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ prays or prophesies with her head uncovered, dishonors her head, who is man, the husband, okay? For that is one and the same as if her head were shaved. And later on, we get down to this uh, again, um, and he talks about, um, nevertheless, nevertheless, you know, if she's going to do that, then she may as well shave her head. For a woman, if a woman is not covered, 
let her also be shorn. So if he's not we- if she's not wearing, I don't know, the veil, if she's not, um, and, and, th- and that's another interpretive difficulty. What are they talking about? Some people think they're just simply talking about hairstyles, you know? If the woman uh, has really short hair, then um, she shouldn't, shouldn't prophesy or pray in the church. Most people, though, believe that what they're, t- and they get that from um, verse 15, if a woman has long hair, it's a glory to her, but her hair is given to her for recovering. They, it's where they get that. But most people, most interpreters, most commentators believe that they are talking about some kind of a covering, a veil over her, over her head, and maybe even over part of her face. So, um, so if she's not going to wear that, she may as well even shave her head because it's the same thing as having her head unshaved or uncovered. So if a woman is not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it is shameful for a woman to be shorn or shaved, let her be covered. And the idea behind that sentence, but if it is shameful for her to be, have a shaved head, it is. It is. It's not, it's not a question to them in this, in, in this, to him anyway. That was something that was shameful in their time for a woman to have a shaved head. Okay? And so it wasn't a question whether it was shameful for her. He's saying, well, if she's not going to wear um, a covering while she's praying or prophesying in the church, she may as well shave her head because she's already shaming her head, her, head, her husband, the man. I'm sweating here. Not really, but it is kind of a, for a man indeed ought not to cover his head since he is the image and glory of God, okay? But woman is the glory of man. And so the idea behind this is that when you're praying or prophesying, guess who's getting the glory, right? God, Christ, not the man and not the woman. So if a woman is praying or prophesying, well, then since she is the wife of the man, he is the one that's getting the glory. And that's wrong in the whole thing. That's wrong in the whole order of everything, okay? Um, And you're wondering where I'm going to go with all of this. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head since he is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. So she needs to cover her head so the man doesn't get the glory, but God does instead, okay? That's basically what's going on here. Um, For man is not from woman, but woman from man. Now this, again, we go back again later, and he talks about something else. Uh, he talks about how um, man, I- man comes through woman in birth, but here he's not talking about that. He's talking about the first man and the first woman. Remember Adam? God put him to sleep, took out a rib, made woman, because a man needs a woman, okay? All right? And um, that's why I laugh, because I'm thinking, you know, some women are almost totally independent. They can do whatever they need to themselves. But man, well, we're going to go nuts if we don't have our wife around, okay? And, and I... I I can exp- I've experienced that, all right? Bouncing off the walls. My wife is out of town. What am I going to do? Um, so, lots of kimchi, lots of running, lots of running, snow shoveling, whatever I can to just keep busy. Um, for a man indeed ought not to cover his head. Let's see, for man is not from woman, but woman from man. And that's talking about that created order, okay? So that's why the woman is subject to man because she was created from him. And I don't use that word subject in a harsh way, Okay. Nor was man created for the woman, but woman for the man. For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Again, there's another crazy interpretive difficulty. Because of the angels. Really? And, and, and nobody really understands completely what that one's talking about. Um, but the idea there is that, um, that when uh, the angels were worshiping God, they would 
they would, and holy, 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 they'd cover their eyes, they would cover their face, they'd cover their ears, and they would sing holy, holy, holy. Um, and so she ought to have a symbol of authority on her head, which, which would be that head covering. Now let me go with something else here um, and, and, and try, to, try to cover this and see how we can do with this. Um, this symbol of authority here. Nevertheless, neither is man independent of woman, nor woman independent of man in the Lord. For as woman came from man, even so man comes through woman. But all things are from God. So we're not independent of each other, right? Um, you know, you, you've got children. Guess what? There took two of you, plus God, to bring those children into, in, uh, into this world. Okay? No woman does it by herself. No man does it by himself. Right? So we're, in, we're dependent on each other. Not just in that, but in a lot of other stuff too. One of the things that I've noticed... Um, in, and, and this is, uh, remember I've told you hundreds of times probably that when I got married, somebody, and I think it was Kathy's daddy, uh, uh, said to me, wives are propping us, wives are for propping us up on our lean inside. Okay? Any men, you, you lean anywhere? You can, can you always stand up straight? Always take care of everything? Get it all done by yourself? I got to tell you, I'd be starving to death. Okay? I mean, uh, I mean yeah, I can cook a few things. I can throw the macaroni in anyway, but on my lean inside, my wife is for propping me up, for propping me up on my lean inside. And then she's standing up straight. Guess what's going to happen? I'm probably going to push her over. But guess what? We're both leaning. She's going to have to lean a little bit one way to prop me up on my lean inside the other way. And so we're dependent on each other. We keep each other. Um, we keep each other standing up. Okay. She she does the things very well that I don't do well at all. Okay. Cooking is one of them. Uh, a lot of the other things that she does very well that I don't do at all. And so we are, other, uh, other than just the childbirth thing, we are independent on each other. Okay? And, and I think marriage is wonderful. And, and I, I'm, I'm hoping Kathy does for the most part too. Um, <laughs> Listen, we're, we're, we're fixing to celebrate 36 years, okay? And I'm not even that old, you know? You know? But, you know, can you believe we were talking the other day, this is, it's a rabbit, we might catch it, we might not. Um, Kathy and I were talking the other day, and she said, can you believe you're going to be 70 in 10 years? <laughs> we're going to go, seriously, why do you bring that up? You know, 70? I'm going to be 70 in 10 years? Well, you know what that means? That means I'm 60. 60? Any, and so, see, there's that rabbit, I don't know what I caught. Don't know if it went anywhere. Don't know what happened, but there you go. 60. I, I'm going to know. See, she said, so that those of you who are online or watching, she said, well, that means you can run for 10 more years. No, 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 not at all. I'm going to run, and when I finish my life, she's going to have to send somebody after me, follow me on my app so that she can find where I died while I was running. That's what's going to have to happen. Okay. Okay. All right, because I'm not going to stop. It's not, you know. God, have mercy on my soul. <laughs> While I'm running and dying, yes. I just want you to be with me right now here. That's what I'm wanting. I'm, 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 so, man, alive. we're going to have to edit this one. But you see the picture. And, and in all of this, what he's not saying is that men are better or more important than women. Get that picture. He is not saying that, okay? Saying that, okay? He's not even insinuating that. Paul is not... And I don't think he ever did. 
what he says is that, that they rely on each other and that God set things up that man is supposed to be the head of woman and of the home. And the man who is, has Christ as his head is a better head of the home and of the woman than the man who does not, man who does not have Christ. As, okay? Now, that's not in here, but he never says anything to the contrary to that. Okay? So get that picture and hold on to it. Judge for yourselves, among yourselves. Is it, proper, is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head covered? Now get that picture, okay? Here he is, and he's, he's full of questions. He knows the answers, and he knows the answer that he expects from them. This is a rhetorical question with a negative answer. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? The answer that he expects them to get from everything he's presented and from the rest of the argument that he's going to show them here is no, it's not. Because it brings glory to the wrong person or entity. Because by doing that, since man is her head, she's bringing glory to the man and not glory to God. But by praying or prophesying with her head covered, guess what? She's bringing glory not to man, not to her husband, but to God. And the key in all of this is do everything for the glory of God. Everything for the glory of God. So, does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it's a dishonor to him? But if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given to her for a covering. Long hair. Long hair. I, you know, I, I'm, I, want, I want somebody to define that for me. I mean, because I'm looking around, and there are a lot of ladies around that don't have long hair. But then again, how do we define long hair? Okay? And is this something, and here's the other, one of the other big interpretive difficulties, difficulties was, was more cultural or more to have to do with the Christian church in Corinth than anything else. So, my, my, you know, and what's long hair for a man? You know? Define that one. Define that one. A long time ago, because I'm 60, I had long hair. Long hair. Uh, about as long as Kathy's right now. Okay? Um, and you know that one of my sons had a ponytail for a while. Uh, to me, that was not a battle that I was willing to fight. My dad fought it, told me I was going to have to wear barrettes if I didn't get my hair cut. <laughs> uh, I like the pink ribbons better than any of the others, just so you'll know. It never make me do that, but it was a threat. and um, That wasn't a battle I was willing to fight. And, and again, that's not the key part about all of this, okay? He is going to, the, to nature itself to show us that nature, that God put man in charge of woman and that woman needs to have her head covered and man doesn't. Why? Because of the fact that when man prays, Christ is their head. And women, man is their head. Now, here's the last thing, another, another uh, in interesting interpretation, but if anyone seems to be contentious, contentious, <laughs> you ever know anybody that was contentious? Yeah, you did, don't you? You probably still do. We have no such custom, nor do the churches of God. And so the custom he's probably talking about here is for man to pray with their head covered and bring glory to themselves or shame to God and for women to pray or prophesy with their head uncovered. We have no such custom. And therefore, what he's saying to them is, 
when you pray or prophesy, men, heads uncovered, uncovered, women, head covered. Now, I'll be honest with you. I try to be all the time. I don't know how to interpret that for us. I mean, you know, what do we do? Uh, I am not inclined, and I don't think most churches nowadays are inclined, to, to make women wear head coverings when they're in church. What I do believe is that we need to, in everything we do, do it all to bring glory to God. And if the purpose in anything we do, anything we do, is to bring glory to ourselves, then that's a problem. And that's part of the difficulty that was going on here. Again, if you'll remember, this church was kind of rogue. They, I'm going to see if I can find that. This church was kind of, we're going to do things our way. We're not going to worry about what you say we, um, that we ought to do. And um, 1436, um, Or did the word of God come originally from you, or was it you only that it reached, is what Paul writes to them. In other words, you know, they think they're doing everything the way they want to do it, okay? And it doesn't matter how other churches are doing or how Paul said for them to do it. So they were kind of rogue. And he's saying, well, you're doing all that, that way, you're not bringing glory to God. You're bringing glory to yourself. And the most important thing for us to do is to bring glory to God in everything we do. And again, if what we're doing doesn't bring glory to God, ought not be done. I'm going to pray. We're going to have an invitation. And I, I, you know, I don't know what God has said to you through all of this because, again, it was a tough, difficult, and uh, you know, interpretive text, difficult to interpret text. But, you know, God can work in hearts and minds when I have no idea what he's doing or how he's doing it. And so we're going to have an invitation time here in just a minute. And if there's any way that God's spoken to you that you need to respond by coming to the front, talking to the pastor, praying, then during that invitation time, that'll be the time for you to come. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your word. God, I, I wish I was there with Paul when he wrote this or that I could ask Paul exactly what he meant by all of this so that it would be more clear for your people here at Irvine Avenue so that I could explain it better so that we could understand how it applies to us today. And I, I know that the, the, the keynote here, uh, the key emphasis is that everything we do needs to point to you and needs to bring glory to you. So, Father, help us in whatever we do, wherever we go, whatever we say. Always remember that you are, uh, you are, you are our Father. Jesus Christ is our Savior. And that we need to glorify him in everything. Father, if there's anybody that's here tonight, today, that needs to make a decision to follow you, to trust you, to uh, whatever you may be speaking to them about, Father, I pray that they will not hesitate, that they will be willing to be obedient to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.